ideas and new technology are causing seismic shifts in the media industry. Where are we headed? What does it mean? Keep listening. Media strategist Gabriella Mirabelli talks with the brightest minds in entertainment and business. Meet the innovators, the risk takers, and the disruptors on the front lines of change from Hollywood, Wall Street, Silicon Valley, and beyond. The future is coming to a screen near you. Are you ready? This is the Up Next podcast with Gabriella Mirabelli. Welcome to Up Next. I'm your host, Gabriella Mirabelli. My guest today is Justin Zen. He's co-founder at Thinknum, a leading alternative data company specializing in web crawled data. Thinknum works with hundreds of investment firms, banks, and corporations to develop innovative data sources that provide new insights into economic activity. Hi, Justin. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me. Prior to founding Thinknum, you worked for a hedge fund. And prior to that, you received your degree from Princeton in financial engineering. And that skill set, that's really at the root of what Thinknum does. So before we look under the hood at Thinknum, let's get all of our listeners on the same page with regard to what financial engineering is. Can you give the PhD in English and the EVP of marketing a Cliff Notes version of what a financial engineer is? Sure. Um, so a financial engineer is using heavy math and applied math to solve financial problems. So we're, we're working on more exotic derivatives and things that are just, you know, a more complicated securities as opposed to what a regular analyst might do, which is just analyze stocks, bonds. We're, we're creating more, more exotic instruments that are, that are traded. Right. So you're taking financial theories, creating practical applications like an AI trading program. Is that a fair... Um, not quite. Not um, quite. It's, it's, not as, it's not as complicated as AI, but uh, it is, uh, you know, it's kind of somewhere in the middle. So AI okay. is uh, AI is a much newer thing. Just think of it as uh, we were studying uh, patterns in markets and analyzing how events impact markets in a okay. very uh, systematic way. Okay. So it makes perfect sense that you're at a hedge fund. And then at some point you decide to leave and form ThinkNum where you are a source of alternative data. Can you first define what alternative data is and then give us the view from 60,000 feet as to how ThinkNum works to amass this data? Sure. So alternative data is data that's outside of your traditional investment process. So most investors, the way they think about data is companies report data if they're public once mm-hmm. a quarter. If they're private, you know, they uh, they tell you what they want to say. Right? <laughs> Conveniently <laughs> so, enough. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Alternative data is looking at things like, you know, could it be credit card transactions data. It could be satellite data. It could be, you know, data from the web, which is what we do. So it's meant to complement traditional data sources. So instead of just this private company telling me you're doing great when they're not, I can use alternative data to find out that, oh, they're actually losing subscribers or or like everyone's quitting the company. And that can help me paint a much better picture of what's going on within a company or a sector. So your company, you use the web. That's your source. You're not using the satellites and things like that, correct? You're using web data? That is correct. So our source is the public web. So just like a human can go to a website and jot down a number, we use technology to do that at scale. So imagine if you had you know, a billion monkeys to download the internet 
every single day, what kinds of questions can you can you answer to help you become smarter about the markets or about uh, your industry? So we basically use technology to to automate. So that. it's like a web crawler crawling through all of the posts and things. Is that yeah. Right? So we do a lot of uh, web crawling, but it's a bit more than that. We also um, have to organize the data. We have to map com- companies to each other. We have to figure out uh, where companies or offices are located. Before we get to how you sort of clean it and organize it, there's a lot out there. Are you sweeping up everything that's out there? Which data are you collecting? Yeah, great question. So we're not trying to rebuild a Google. Um, they obviously <laughs> <laughs> they obviously collect like everything on the web. Um, right. We're collecting only the parts that are relevant for business that we can map to, you know, economic activity. So we're collecting a very small part of the internet. The internet is very large, but we're collecting the things that we can use that are actionable for business only. Okay. But I suppose one of the questions then I have is consumers and their behaviors then have impact into what companies are doing. And you had mentioned credit card purchases. Are you looking at behavioral data? Um, consumer behavioral data or is it really transactional? Like, like, are you looking at conversations on, for instance, Goodreads or Reddit about what people are discussing? And this might be a signal to that, that certain content is going to be hot because people are really engaged with it. Is it that level of thing or, or no? Yeah. So, yeah. So we, so we can track consumer behavior if, if it's public. So so you mentioned Reddit. Um, So Reddit is a source that we track. Um, We basically track like what are the uh, stocks that consumers are talking about, but we're not uh, reading every conversation. We're just basically identifying specific tickers that are mentioned and we can create a list. You know, these are the tickers that are mentioned the most today and that becomes Uh actionable. I see. Okay. You're putting queries against some of these sources that you have, you know, you want to look for certain company names, certain tickers, certain things that that's what's you set up a query almost. I mean, I know I'm not using probably the right term, but just. No, that is the right term. Yeah. Um, So the (laughs) web is really, really big and there's a lot of information and we have to set up queries to identify the relevant data points. We don't want to track everything. You know, there's a... Well, it's very noisy if you do that. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Well, you know, you've said several times publicly available um, data. And I know when we chatted, I said privacy. It's a watchword these days. Biden just appointed the privacy advocate. um, I think it's Alvaro Bedoya to the FTC. So in the world of alternative data, is privacy a concern at all? I just want to tick that box. Yes, no. Yeah, so I think privacy is a concern for the industry at large. It's not a concern for what we do specifically. Everything that we do revolves around completely public data. However, there are many other companies in the space that they're they're selling anonymized transaction data or they're selling Mm -hmm. anonymized mobile app data. And that can get messy because it may not follow all the rules, right? Those those other players. That can okay. get messy and the rules are also changing. Uh, the SEC is starting to look at some of these uh, data sources. Um, for us, you know, it doesn't affect our business, but um, it does affect the industry. So that's a differentiator. People who are thinking and evaluating, this is a safe data source vis-a-vis privacy right. concerns. And that's good to know. When looking at the data sets that you list on your website, you have companies and, and it's clear that you're going through all their filings. Also on the website, you 
you indicate things like words like 2021 or including. And I, I guess what I was thinking, do you help your clients know how to use and cross tabulate some of these things? I guess what I'm worried about is spurious correlation. Cheese consumption correlates with uh, the number of people who have died by strangulation in their own bed sheets. So, you know, how do you avoid spurious thinking on the part of your clients? So we answer uh, a lot of questions around the data. We don't, we don't provide insights. Okay. So we're not, so we're not a research company, okay. um, but you know, our clients might have data uh, or the, they may have very specific questions around the data, but ultimately we think that they're the best people to interpret okay. the data. Okay. Um, so you're purely a source. So it's purely you've collected, you've cleaned, but the, so what now, what that's on them. They need to yes, have that is on them. We want to okay. build tools and we, you know, we have uh, customer success people to help them get to the answer, but uh, we don't get them the answer. Ultimately, we're not experts in their domain. Okay. Wonderful. That's really useful to know. You had an article on your site about Stitch Fix and how stylists were being edged out by um, leaning into the algorithm, and but that maybe the algorithm wasn't really getting things right. And your article shared the data that your company had pulled, which showed that you could see where the company was going based on where they were increasing hires or letting go of people, sort of which basket they were putting their eggs into. And so one of the questions that that made me think of was some of the data sources and the accuracy of, let's say, Glassdoor or LinkedIn and whether or not people are updating their profiles in a timely fashion. How do you evaluate and how frequently are you evaluating the the level of accuracy of some of these sources? Now, obviously, I, I believe LinkedIn is pretty good and I believe Glassdoor is pretty good, but how, how, you know, the other sources that are out there that are almost crowdsourced, how do you, how do you assess that? Um, so we don't have to assess it. Uh, you know, I think um, all we're saying is this is what we see on the internet as of this moment. Um, I see. Okay. So okay. a lot of companies, you know, they're investing in these platforms or, you know, they're selling products online or in, in, you know, in the example you gave, they're hiring people online. So they didn't post job listings. So the reason why they're on the web is because they're using it to do business. And the side effect is we're, we're, you know, crawling that data. But, uh, you know, we only claim we only claim that this number was on the web at this point in time. And we're, we're going to collect all these numbers and you can see how it's changed, you know, historically, but we're not, right. we're not, uh, yeah. Um, so it's not really our job to, uh, um, if a company puts, uh, bad information out there, then, you know, that is what it is. Right. I, I thought it was also, the article was interesting because it made me think about sort of algorithms in general, AI in general, and mm-hmm. if there was a human je ne sais quoi that needs to be added in. And, uh, you know, to make a creative leap. Uh, but it sounds, I mean, do you, it sounds like you're really about the data and not about yeah. what you do with the data though. So that's yeah, yeah. your, yeah. Yeah. So we're really about the data. And I think, I think it's a, it's a good place to be in, right? Because once you start interpreting the data, there is, you know, uh, it becomes a lot more complicated and someone can look at a particular figure and say, this is good. Someone else can say, this is bad. Um, so mm-hmm. it's not, it's not quite our skill set. I think it's likely though, that people have, or people, your clients have internal data sets 
proprietary data sets and they want to put these against the data that you're collecting. Again, is that something that you help them with or is it, how do they pull your data? Is it an API? What is, how is that interface so that they can marry the data that you've got with their own? Yeah, sure. So we do have an interface for people that just like to go in there and look at numbers or maybe download something to Excel. Um, Obviously some of these data sets can be tens of millions of rows. So you can't just put that in Excel. You have to put it in a data lake. So we do provide APIs and a lot of big companies, they'll marry our data with a bunch of other data sources, including internal data. And, you know, um, they do ask us questions about uh, how to marry the data. But again, we answer these questions because we want to be helpful, but but ultimately we don't have access to all their data. So so we can only be helpful um, to, to an extent. Well, when we had spoken about the data you're collecting and the Reddit example, clearly, if you have clients in finance and so tickers are sort of an obvious thing, but you also have listed on your website, um, Netflix. And if they have a particular query, is that something that they can request that you set up and you scrape sort of a proprietary data pull for them? And then is it only theirs or is that something that you would do? How do you do that? And if so, how would that work? Uh, no, we don't do that. Uh, (laughs) okay. (laughs) Yeah. Every client, uh, sees every data point at the same time. And the reason why we don't do that is because once you start doing that, then you start doing things for different people and you're just no longer a scalable technology company. You're more doing crawling as a service, um, which is, which is a, a very different company. So, you know, we like to be completely transparent uh, you can see everything that all our other clients can see. Right. Earlier in our conversation, you mentioned organizing and cleaning. A lot of time can be spent cleaning data and you've got a mind boggling amount of it. So can you take us through that, how that works? Yeah. So um, we have an automated uh, QA process. So it looks at, you know, whether a data point change to an extreme. So if the price of, let's say, a big screen TV goes from $500 to a million dollars, then, uh, you know, then uh, then perhaps the company put out some bad data. Um, so that does get flagged. Or, you know, if, if we're no longer co- collecting a data point because something happened, like a website changed, then that gets flagged. Most of these are corrected automatically. Occasionally, um, you know, sometimes websites do some crazy things. So we do have to have an engineer look at it. Okay. How real time is real time? How, you know, what's the lag between what you're seeing and what clients are, you know, what you're scraping, I guess, and what clients are seeing? We update almost all our data sets uh, once a day. Okay. Um, it's not... It's not the kind of data that's like high frequency, really. It's not like, you know, they need to know at that second, but we found that once a day is a really good cadence. Um, okay. So it's not like tick data, you know, it's not like, uh, like there's data, there's data sets out there that update um, a couple of times a second. So it's nowhere near, near, near that. Okay. Okay. Well, it's obvious how an investor and a hedge fund would use this data, how it would augment what they do. But your site has universities and streaming plat like Netflix is, is is listed on your site. What's the application there? Um so we're seeing a lot of interest from big corporations and they they want to get the same information that investors do, except for different use cases. Competitive intelligence is a popular one. Human resources is a popular one. I want to see 
who and where every company in my space is hiring or uh, reviews data. I want to know, you know, um, what people think about my competitors' new products or even things like location data. If I want to uh, open a store, I want to know which one of my competitors is currently in, you know, you know, near a certain location. So it's the same data that we sell to investment firms that uh, corporations also use. We think of it as they're investing internally. So we help them allocate these resources better. Can we back up and talk about some of these buckets of data because you're not doing bespoke queries. You're not a crawl on demand service. So you've got human resources in terms of hiring and where they're hiring and where they're maybe shedding people reviews of products and I guess reviews of companies as well. The opinions of companies you're looking at the filings, the public filings. What are some of the other buckets. If I'm a company and I'm like, oh, well, this might be interesting for for me. What are some of these other buckets that you're collecting? Sure. A couple of other buckets are lead generation. We work with food delivery companies, for instance. We have uh, listings of, you know, tens of millions of restaurants. So I can see who my competitors are signing up. The job listings um, example is popular with technology companies. I want to see, you know, if I sell um, some weird, let's say some weird database, I can actually track for keywords for companies that are hiring for people with these certain skills. And then, so, so that's lead generation. Another one is product pricing. Yeah, your company will know how much you currently charge for your products, but um, do you know that of your competitors? We track, for instance, cannabis pricing across um, a lot of dispensaries. So if mm-hmm. I have one, I may want to know when my competitors have lowered pricing or when they're increasing pricing or if they carry new products. That product pricing and competitive pricing, I imagine is is pretty critical beyond cannabis. So is that just an across the board thing that you're pulling? Yeah. So, you know, um, companies that sell products online, they have to list the price, mm-hmm. right? Um, so we just build technology to collect these prices and we do it over time. Is that Amazon and also their own websites and other vendors of the price? How... how I just, I, I'd like to understand that a little better. Yeah, it is. It is Amazon. It's Walmart. We don't have every retailer, but uh, we have the, the important ones. You can, you can see the individual product, the price. Um, sometimes they have inventory. So you can see, you know, how much inventory they have. It kind of depends, it kind of depends on the amount of information that that's given to us, but price is usually the uh, price and number of products is usually the, uh, the popular one. Another one is reviews. In some markets, it's very competitive. Uh, if you know your competitor launches a product, there's not a good proxy for how well it's received. So uh, reviews data can be can be pretty impactful. We also track some uh, social so kind of like social media traction. Um, right now, you know we we live in the age of uh, Instagram, uh, Twitter, etc. So you can. Mm track like marketing campaigns i can see you know um if i have a if i if me and my competitors are both running big promotions who's getting you know more more chatter so you you do track campaigns you do do that that's something that you that you do no we don't track um like specific marketing campaigns uh we can track basically the number um the number of followers that a company has on social media because that's public okay so 
So when you run a campaign, um, you know, you do it because you want more engagement with your social media. So we can say, you know, you guys, you guys currently rank uh, fourth um, amongst the space as far as a number of followers. But um, here's how your competitors are trending over time uh, compared to you. Interesting. Yeah, I I just read a stat just earlier today, which I'm not sure I believe actually, that uh, more people are searching about brands on social media now than they are on Google. Again, I'm not sure I believe it. I want to have another <laughs> want yeah. to have another company do that. Or does that sound legit real to you? It's it's definitely possible. Uh, I think uh, I think the amount of information on social media now, which you know, which which Google obviously does does uh, does aggregate is uh, mm-hmm. is immense, um, and that's why we're seeing a lot of demand there. They want right. to track um, uh, you know who is who has the best social media profile in their space. Would you view a social listening company as a competitor or no? It depends on the kind of data they have. I think social listening companies, they might go a little bit deeper. Um, mm-hmm. we, we provide some more high level insights. Like we're not tracking every every comment that's left behind a, you know, a post on Instagram. Um, there are some companies who do that. We're providing mm-hmm. some more high level insights. Companies want to marry that with like reviews data, which um, which almost no one else is doing with like product pricing data. So I think uh, we're kind right, of like- So that's what you can do. You can actually connect the dots yes. across. across. Exactly, it. exactly, yes. So how do clients work with you? Do they sign up? Is it a subscription-based service? Do they, and if so, is it in- a certain you know increment is it a yearly increment a six month increment what how do people engage your services yeah it's a subscription it's an annual subscription so they can get access to a ui with tools around the data um, for those who don't have a data science team and for those who do they can get a subscription to a specific data set so it's not all data sets it's just specific data sets or is it is it tiered how does that work so for our platform, they get access to every data set. And then for the API, they can pick which ones they want. We do have some people who purchase all data sets, which is possible. Okay. If you're getting the white glove platform, it's different pricing than I would assume, rather than if it's just because it, it requires more on your end. Is that? Yes, that's correct. Yeah. The, the API is priced a little bit more because, uh, you know, instead of uh, just looking at a data point, uh, maybe once a day, you're now ingesting, you know, could be tens of millions of rows of data uh, every single day. So yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a bit of a different scale. When did you launch your business? We launched our company in 2014. We launched our product almost two years later. We, uh, it took us a while to develop it and also figure out how to, how to sell and distribute it. Mm-hmm. So about, about five years ago. Where are you seeing the growth and where do you want to take it from here? So the alternative data industry is growing uh, pretty quickly. Um, it's growing almost 40% year over year. So obviously we're we're riding that. We've built a brand. We're one of the more well-known companies in the space. And the web is just a great source of data. We want to add a lot more coverage. Uh, right now we track a little bit over half a million companies. We want to get to 20 million companies. We want to return unique information on small startups in Africa. Right? Um, so well, I, was, I was wondering how global, I mean, the things we had been talking about were pretty, you know, U.S. centric, or that was my framing of the questions were U.S. centric, mm-hmm. I guess. How, how global is it right now? And then are you looking at sort of some of the emerging economies and how do you deal with just things in different languages? 
Yeah, so right now um, we have pretty good coverage of the U.S. Parts of Western Europe, a lot, uh, kind of like uh, UK, London, especially. Um, we have a little bit of, we have decent coverage for uh, Canada, Australia. So it's basically, I'll say, uh, um, we have we have we have good coverage for developed markets. Emerging markets is something we're working on. There are there are much fewer people who care about those markets right now, but obviously we see that changing. Language is not really a barrier, right? Um, I mean, a lot of the uh, data we collect is numerical, you know, for instance, okay. uh, we, we track a price or something, or we track an address, which we can turn into a latitude, right. longitude. Okay. Um, so it's not really a barrier. Um, sometimes we do have to train the bots to not confuse something, but yeah, it's not really a barrier. It's, it's really, you know, that's a bit of the internet. It's a uh, completely open and connected and uh, like all, all companies globally um, have to be on it. People talk about, you know, internet 2.0 and how things might change, where, transactions are happening in the metaverse or something, you know, is that something, how are you looking ahead at when things start happening in spaces that are harder to get to, or are those not harder to get to? Um, it has to be public. So I think, uh, you know, people ask us questions like, can you, can you track private conversations or even can you track like message boards that are not public? And, you know, and right now, right now we don't kind of the privacy issue aside, those are just less interesting to us right now. We think that there's more than enough information on the complete public web to, mm-hmm. to, to organize where, you know, we've, we've only just started doing that. Um, so yeah, we're, so we're going to play in the public domain for a long time. And in, in, if I am a platform user, is it easy for me to say, okay, connect the dots. I mean, again, the, the level of, of data science chops I have in house. And if I'm leaning into the platform because I don't want to take the API, is that something I can, I can do easily on the platform? It's very easy. Um, so we we built our platform specifically because you know people who don't have data science teams or even people who who don't know how to work with big data sets in Excel can use and just quickly overlay a few charts together. Um, it's very it's quite user intuitive. Hmm. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for taking the time and sharing about um, this these giant data sets and how they're applicable and why they would be interesting to people in business beyond hedge funds. And that it, it might be great for um, other businesses to take a peek and, and look at what the data is. So thank you so much for your time. Thanks for having me. We've reached the end of another episode of Up Next. I'd like to close by thanking my production team at Up Next, my friend, Rob Milton, the voice artist who recorded our open. And of course, all of you, the members of our audience, thank you. I'll be talking to you again next time right here on Up Next.